back. It is by all means here on Western Reserve Radio Season 2, Episode 17, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org for more information. Find us on Facebook. Search Western Reserve Radio on a Twitter at WR underscore radio. You can also download the live 365 or TuneIn app, or you can just go to our website at WesternReserveRadio.com. We jump right in with our opening guest for today's show, and we are joined by former Indians pitcher Jason Stanford. Jason, it's been a really odd year plus. I hope you and the family are all doing well. Mark, appreciate being on the on the radio show today, and we are. We're doing great. Uh, everybody's healthy. You know, kind of doing our, our thing with sports right now in the springtime and having a good time. So I got a lot of questions about the Indians for you, but I want to begin with why do you think it is that pretty much no matter what series it is, what team it is, teams are attacking the Indians hitters and throwing a lot of change-ups this year? I think a lot of it comes down to the analytical side now. Uh, with, with more information being out there uh, of sw- swing rates on different pitches, a lot of people know that the Indians can hit fastballs like any other major league club, and now that you have more of the information out there, that's the reason they're going to off-speed stuff. And especially change-ups, you know, that's one of the big keys is if you have a good change-up that looks like a fastball and you get guys out on your front foot or you get guys swinging and missing, you're going to stick with that game plan. Does it almost seem like to you uh, pitchers are, are approaching hitters almost in a backwards way? And just back to, you know, when you played in, you know, the early 2000s, compared to now, it almost seems like they attack hitters in a reverse pattern. They really do. It's interesting because, I mean, we all talk about how many guys throw hard fastballs now. You know, where the average major league fastball right now is close to 94 miles an hour, which is the hardest it's ever been. Um, so a lot of guys throwing breaking balls earlier in the count and throwing more of them. A lot of guys throwing change-ups. You know, it's kind of a – for me, it's a double-edged sword because knowing that you have those secondary pitches and you're you're not hesitant to throw them anymore – I think is a great thing for for young pitchers especially. So I'm curious why you think the organization's been so successful developing pitching because they sure haven't been able to develop any outfielders over the last few years have been able to stick at the major league level, but they find young arm after young arm that they've drafted and developed, and they just kind of seem like they're able to plug them in and keep going. I think a lot of it goes back to the, the draft. I mean, the scouts that the Indians have have always been really, really good and really keen on finding certain players out there that have a good mentality of being on the mound. And they have. They've done a great job of developing these guys. And it starts, you know, in, in spring training. Uh, you, know, you have the draft. They go, to, they go to spring training down there. They do a really nice job of getting these guys acclimated. They do a lot of classroom work, you know. So I think that's a big difference that I've seen more so now with some of the clubs, but especially the Indians. They, they do it in the classroom first. They make these guys understand and learn how to compete. And then they go out there and just work slowly, though. So they don't rush these guys. And I think for the Indians, that's a big deal and, and a key in learning how to develop guys. And, and some of the other organizations are kind of following suit now because you look over the last 7 to 10 years, the Indians have been outstanding with developing guys. What is it about the way pitchers are currently training that you'll see stories in spring training? A guy like Kershaw, who's you know nearing the end of his career, changes his training pattern, and he's able to add two, three, even four miles on his fastball at the twilight of his career. What is it about the way pitchers are training now that they're able to do that in the middle of their careers? 
I think some of it is nutrition. Um, I, I know a lot of organizations are much more aware of the nutritional factor, and the players are taking you know a, a better sense of it. Um, but you look at a guy like that that's been at the top of the game for a long, long time, and you know normally guys would have to transition. You know sometimes you lose your fastball, but like you said, his velo has jumped, and, and well, it could be mechanical. You know maybe he went back and looked at something this off season. Whereas one or two little tiny things that maybe he was off a bit. And, you know, the other thing, too, you bring Trevor Bauer in, and Trevor Bauer is, is such uh, an, an animal when it comes to mechanical stuff and biomechanics and everything like that, where maybe he's helped Kershaw on the back, you know, understand who he is a little bit better, too. You know, one of the things that uh, you mentioned, Trevor Bauer, one of the things he talked about a lot uh, uh, was using the, the weighted balls as part of his training. And that does seem to be it's become popular across the league. What do you think that does to the, the training and conditioning for pitchers? I think everybody's different. Um, you know, for me, I'm not I'm not a big weighted ball guy or plyometric guy in terms of the heaviness of it. But there are some benefits to it, you know, conditioning your arm a little bit better, you know, understanding how your body, your lower half and your upper body connect using them at the same time. So, you know, as, as a prehab per se, you know, it might be a good thing, but, you know, everybody's different with understanding how they're supposed to work. And for some guys, it works really, really well. I mean, Trevor's been using them for a while, and he knows how his body works with them and exactly how it needs to be portrayed and he goes out and does his thing when you watch an average major league baseball game and the teams go to the bullpen it seems like each team has you know four or five guys throwing 95 plus on on both rosters is it the, the development of the game is it the the evolution of the baseball athlete that is now more worried about conditioning because we've developed from where you went to spring training to get into shape to now where you better show up in shape at spring training or you're going to get cut. You're not going to make the big league roster. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy now. I mean, I've had numerous conversations with some buddies about it where they basically say, you know, the radar guns are a little bit different. Um, You know, so maybe that's, you know, some of the stuff. But at the same time, these guys train a lot different than how we trained back in the day. Uh, they're more active. They're more agile. Uh, they have looser arms. You know, they throw more. Um, you know, so when you, when you look at it, yeah, it's nice to see these guys run out there that are throwing 97, 98, 100, 101. You know, it's, it's been fun to watch the growth of these relievers, you know, kind of come into their own. So I'm curious, you know, what do you stay more closely to follow along with your former major league team in the Indians or your former college program that's been always very successful at developing major league players, the Arizona Wildcats? Well, I, I look at, I mean, I, I follow the Indians nonstop no matter what. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up, you know, in that system. And for me, that's been the biggest to do on it. And it's it's been fun, um, you know, in terms of the collegiate side. I, I still follow it from time to time, um, but not so much. I mean, I, I look at the team, and they're doing a good job. Coach Johnson's done a nice job there for that program. Um, but it, it's still, I mean, I, I live in Ohio, you know, so every day I'm going to pull up the Indians and, and watch them regularly. You've had a couple of stops as a professional pitching coach over the last few years. What have you learned about pitching and how you approach young players in those stops as a coach? 
I, I think the, the biggest thing is, is having a rapport with each player um, and getting to, to know who they are as a person before you get to know them as a baseball player. So that, that's been key, and that's been big. Um, and then just for the, the first year that I was a coach with the Pirates, um, we always talked about listening more and understanding and communicating better. So I, I've really taken that to heart uh, with just understanding and, and listening to the players and not so much the speaking side of it, but just instead of talking so much and trying to coach and instruct and do all the mechanical things over and over again, let them play it out. Um, and then when it needs to be said, you know, have something to say and make sure that it sticks with them as opposed to giving them a ton of information where it's uh, sometimes an overkill or overload. Former Indians pitcher Jason Stanford is on the phone with us. And, you know, fans talk a lot about player development. And I'm just curious, without giving up too much, do you feel like some teams really focus on the lower levels about developing that fastball command first while other organizations want you to develop the entire repertoire of what you're going to throw on a game day? Yeah, I mean, I would say that still a lot of the organizations still try to develop that fastball command. Um, you know, the last time, a couple of years ago when I was with the Braves, you know, that was the last time I was coaching uh, before the pandemic hit, uh, we focused nothing but fastball command, glove side. And, and what I mean by glove side is if you're a right-handed pitcher, you're trying to throw down and away to a righty. If you're a left-handed pitcher, you're trying to throw down and in uh, to, to a righty or to a left, uh, down and away to a lefty. You know, so any time that you, you look at that and you start to focus on those, it allows your secondary stuff to be a lot better. So your curveball, your, your breaking ball, your changeup, uh, some guys throwing split fingers. Uh, it just it makes a huge, huge difference overall with understanding that. And I think the, the more that kids can get that and buy into that, the more success they're going to have as they progress through the systems. At those lower levels, how much are you working on – mechanics uh, that they, you know, adjusting what they came to you with, whether it be from the lower level down or collegiately or from the high school level, or how much is it just about taking that mechanic and being able to repeat it consistently game in and game out? I think that's the biggest thing, Mark, is the repeatability of your mechanics. Um, you know, when you, when you look, when you get a new kid, especially for, like for me, you know, I was never at the, the A-ball level or the double-A level or the triple-A level in terms of coaching other than watching these guys at spring training. So I had all the younger kids uh, that were either first-year guys or just coming out of the draft. And the craziness was, you know, some guys would talk about their personal their personal pitching coach or they would have different trainers and they would send videos to nonstop. So, you know, you have all these guys that come in with, with different philosophies. And, you know, for us, we're trying to explain our philosophy through that organization and some guys get it right away. Some guys buy into it right away. And, and some guys, you know, you have to see them fail before they buy in and understand, you know, what we're talking about. And I think that's the dynamic of, of being able to be a good coach and understand what you're trying to accomplish overall. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you want all of your guys to try to make it to the next level. You know, whether that's A ball or double A and ultimately the big leagues, you want to see your guys have success daily. Jason, only got a couple minutes left with you. I know you're doing a lot of things to stay close to the game and doing a lot of coaching. Kind of catch everybody up that hasn't heard from you in maybe a little while what you're doing today. So on the baseball side, uh, I still have my indoor facility here in Niles. Um, you know, running a, a baseball academy has been, has been a 
an awesome thing. Um, I've got a great young group of core kids uh, that come in regularly. I've got some great instructors now uh, that are all former players of mine uh, through the amateur ranks. And then we also have travel teams. You know, so we're constantly running them out there. Our high school group start up next week, which I'm really excited to see this group, you know, come out and play because they didn't get to do it last summer. Um, so that was that was really tough on them. And they've gone out this, this spring with all their high schools, and they've done a great job of getting after it. Um, you know, so I'm really excited to see that. But for me, just helping the amateur kids, um, you know, through and through daily, whether it's on the field, um, you know, we focus hard and heavy on, on the grades as well. So in the classroom, making sure these kids understand what, it, what it's about to be a student athlete. And some of my older kids that are now juniors and seniors are, are starting to get some better looks uh, at the collegiate ranks. Um, you know, so looking at that, you know, that, that's my biggest uh, achievement so far uh, over the last couple of years is, is being able to see these guys move on and go from there. How do you feel the game has improved at the high school level locally? You look around to, you know, the early 90s when I was in high school to some of the facilities we have now around the Valley and, you know, better facilities can make better players. And it seems like the high school baseball in our area has really jumped the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at all these different facilities that are going to turf and they have these bigger weight rooms and, you know, the kids and the parents are starting to understand, you know, how big of a commitment it really is. Um, it's been fun to watch grow. You know, I'm not from here. I grew up in Arizona, so we play baseball year-round. But coming out here and, and being here for the last 13 years, you know, has really been a jump. Um, even from the, the couple of years that I was at Howland coaching to now, you know, just watching these guys grow has been a lot of fun uh, to see how they go about their business. Um, but even more so, the multi-sport athletes that play football and then transfer to, to playing basketball and then they go to wrestling and then, they, you know, they go to baseball. Just seeing all that has been a lot of fun. Jason, we appreciate a couple minutes of your time. We know you've got a, a busy schedule with the, the high school wrapping up and heading into uh, the the summer schedule. We appreciate it. Hopefully we can catch up with you later on in the year. And uh, thanks for a couple minutes of your time. Mark, appreciate it. You guys take care. Former Indians pitcher Jason Stanford joining us as he uh, is doing a, a lot of coaching and player development with his academy that he, he mentioned there. And uh, always good to catch up with uh, someone that, uh, you know, fought the fight to make it to the big leagues. And uh, as you as he mentioned, has stayed locally uh, and has coached at the New York Penn League level and a couple other uh, minor league levels. So always good to uh, catch up with Jason. Coming up later on in uh, today's show, uh, we'll get to what's trending. Dave and I have a lot to get to, including a conversation about the Penguins game one on Sunday afternoon, game two coming up a little bit later tonight. I will, I will ask you an interesting question about the future of the Cavaliers and if you really care about the future of the Cavaliers with the success of the Indians and especially the Browns last year. And uh, we will preview Cleveland Cobras football coming back here on Western Reserve Radio Saturday evening, we will be in Cleveland for the Cobras' first game with myself and the coach, Bob Gessler. We will preview that matchup against Erie that is coming up this weekend, and we will finish up the show talking to the owner, Coach Jesse Caldwell, of the Cleveland Cobras. That's coming up later on in today's show. Again, a big thank you to Jason Stanford, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio at westernreserveradio.com on the Live 365 Network and the Live 365 app. 
one by all means, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Go to millcreekmetroparks.org for more information about the park and to book your tee time for this amazing weather we are going to have this week. I don't know if you've been paying attention to it. Time for What's Trending with Mark and Dave. And Dave, we're talking about temperatures near 85 for the Cobras game this weekend. Yeah, they're talking 80 tomorrow. It's going to be a hot one, that's for sure. 85 spring ball, though. You know what? I'll leave it. <laughs> Give me back to my 60s and 70s. <laughs> it's better. Yep. That is the one thing that players and broadcasters alike have to deal with is, you know, it's the heat. I didn't expect that we would have our first game on the 22nd of May be hot. and Maybe we get to June 12th for the next game. I, I figured we would. So I got to ask you, Dave, what's trending is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They get the number one seed in their division. They match up with the Islanders, and I know you remember the Islanders well back from 2019 where roles were reversed. The Islanders had home ice. They beat the Penguins at home in overtime, swept them out of the playoffs in 2019. The Islanders continued that trend with a 4-3 overtime victory in Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. And this becomes a, I don't know, it's not a must win because it's not an elimination game, but you cannot go down 0-2 and head back to the island trailing by two games. No, you got they've got to pick it up. They've got to get some, uh, what's going to call it, back into Pittsburgh. Why can I not hear myself? You there? I can hear you just okay. fine. Uh, no, they, you can't go back to New York down uh, by two. It, it's, you're not going to come back out of it. The Islanders are too good of a team, and Pittsburgh uh, – I don't know. The overtime to me should have went the other way, but you know what? That's the way the puck falls. And it was a couple of couple of soft goals that the Penguins gave up at the beginning of that game by Tristan Jarre, who was only playing in his second ever playoff game. Penguins back at it tonight, 7:30 at home against the Islanders in Game Two. So let's jump on to the Cavs. The Cavs finish up their, their regular season more wins than the last couple of years, not by much. But I ask you, do you think Cleveland fans have kind of forgotten about the Cavs with the success of the Browns and the Indians are still hanging in pretty good? We still have a major league uh, basketball team in uh, <laughs> Cleveland. We're a major league <laughs> baseball team. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I have not. I, you know, I work in Cleveland. I have not heard hide nor hair, and that's a dating me, of anything about the Cavs in Cleveland. Nothing. Nobody talks about them. There's not a banner in town about them. I mean, everything went straight from the draft, straight to the Indians, and that's it. You haven't heard anything about the Cavs at all. I mean, you drive by the Rocket, uh, and you might see... A billboard that comes across every now and then, Cavs game tonight or something. But that's it. That's you. Nobody talks about the Cavs in Cleveland anymore. And you know what? I mean, it's been a rough go since LeBron left, of course, because there hasn't been a lot of talent. They uh, haven't been able to recruit any marquee free agents. It does feel like it's going to be a pretty significant roster overhaul this offseason. If it's not, it might be a front office overhaul for Dan Gilbert and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, the Cavs definitely need to do something player-wise. They've got to get somebody – got to get a big name in Cleveland. That's the only way you're going to bring back the Cavs. 
That's the only reason, the only way you're going to get people back in the seats. Other than the games where an out of town team comes in and there's somebody on that team that people want to see. But to get butts in the seats every week or every game, uh uh-uh. uh. You ain't got a player to do it. The when LeBron left, that was the end of that. I mean, I, I love Colin Sexton and I love his game, but you know, you, you can't win in the modern NBA with two small guards. I mean, you look at Portland and how they've tried to do it with Lillard and McCollum, and that hasn't worked for them. And these guys definitely aren't Lillard, Lillard and McCollum, uh, CJ McCollum either. So it's going to be interesting to see can they bring in a big name? You might just have to overpay somebody to do that to bring in a big name free agent, or you might have to actually draft a. Player player that when the name is called the fan base goes well i know who that is he played great he can help us i have nothing against isaac okoro that they drafted i know why they drafted him but you you need some flash and you need it to be a, a bigger player i expect kevin love to be gone in this offseason i don't know what else is going to happen to the team but i expect major changes when it comes to the cavaliers uh from the draft to free agency into next year because who knows what will happen for the future of the organization but speaking of cleveland we're going to keep it in cleveland and you know you and i were talking about this earlier today and i'm not going to give the number away you have to tune into the broadcast on saturday but it's been a hell of a long time since the cobras had a chance to play a football game and we're all excited that their first game back is going to be saturday night right yeah we sat around last year and come april and may are we going to play are we not going to play are we going to play are we not going to play yeah we're going to play nope no we're not yeah, we are. No, we're not. It went back and forth like that for about two months. Finally, we just said we talked to uh, the commissioner of the GDFL, and they finally made a decision that, nope, they're just going to punt this season and haven't done anything. And um, tell you what, it, the, the number that we came up with from the last time, and, and, and matter of fact, it was the last time these two teams played, not just the GDFL right. game. This was the last game that these two guys or these two teams played was against each other. And it was opening and, round of the playoffs against the uh, Erie Express. Right, in 2019. So it's been two years almost since these two teams have matched up. And I, you know what? I honestly can't wait. And honestly, I won't be there to watch them, but you guys will be. I'll be vicarious watching it vicariously through you guys but uh i'll tell you what it's gonna be quite interesting with the heat index and everything else up in cleveland this weekend um it's a great uh, field from what i looked at the field that they're playing at they're no longer playing where they did two years ago they're now playing at garfield middle school in lakewood um which coincidentally i don't know if you looked at the field mark on google Oh, I have. It's a nice turf field. It it's seats an, about 500. But what is the one thing that it has in common with where Erie plays in Erie? See if you noticed. Know. Railroad tracks in the back of the field. <laughs> I didn't know if you noticed that or not, but there is a set of railroad tracks, and they're used, too, um, on the back of that field. So yeah, it's going to be definitely the same thing. Right. And I can remember calling a couple games at Erie with Jim and with you um, up there. And when the trades go through, you just kind of get quiet because nobody's going to hear you anyways. 
So <laughs> the games are going to be played 13114 Detroit Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. That is, of course, Dave mentioned Garfield Middle School. It is a very unique schedule for the Cobras this year. I don't know if you paid attention to it, Dave. Two home games, four road games in a row, and then two home games to finish out the year. Opening with the Express this weekend. Uh, then they take on the Cleveland Rams at home on the 12th of June. And then the road trips begin uh, at the Lake Erie Explosion, at the Columbus Fire, at the Erie Express, at the Cleveland Rams, and finishing up at home for the Lake Erie Explosion and the Columbus Fire. So two, four, and two this year for the Cobras. Yeah, definitely going to be four weeks of traveling there in the middle of this schedule. And you guys will be going to Erie. You'll be going to Columbus. You'll be, uh, I believe, Cleveland Rams are farther east in Columbus. If I remember right, so it's it's going to be uh, quite the season, and let's we need to get people out there too. Got to come watch. I mean these these guys put their all into these games. Um, I think ticket prices this year are free. Uh, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw on the Cobras website. How about that, we ask the owner here in a few minutes? Yep, we'll do that. But uh, it, it's a good time if you if you're missing that football from last year and you couldn't go to a Browns game, come out and watch the Cobras play. They're actually it's a good time. It's fun. Uh, it's good football, really. I mean, these guys are playing because they want to play. They're not getting paid. These guys are playing because they actually love and want to play the game of football. And Erie is a very good franchise. The uh, the Cobras and the Express, the, you know, the ownership groups know each other. Uh, we you know, have covered the team for years. We, we know you know Paul Pennington and, and the ownership group. I have a, a friend who's on the coaching staff. I know somebody that plays on the team now this year for as a first-year player. So it, it's become uh, a, a nice rivalry between these two teams because you know Erie is the team other teams that GDFL want to be. They're in the top five in the preseason power rankings for the league. They are one of those very stable, very successful franchises that uh, teams across the country would like to be like. Oh, yeah. Two years ago, Erie just blasted everybody. They had a great running game. They had a really good passing game. And uh, it was it was actually a really good time. Uh, watching the games, uh, listening to you guys call the games. Uh, I have been up there for some of them. I may or may not be at some of the games this year. That's uh, in discussions. But we're going to see how this season is going to. Yeah, well, no, it's in discussion. There's no <laughs> negotiating. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Craven. I'm not good at negotiating anymore. Uh, <laughs> Give me what I want or I'm out. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's a good time. It's always fun. We always have a blast with the team. Um, we've done games with these guys. Or that um, we go down and talk to the team after the game. We hang out with the players after the game. Um, it's always been fun. I mean, back to the days where we did uh, the uh, scourge football that uh, Mr. Craven owned at one time. That was fun. I mean, we had the players come right up after they scored a touchdown. We're doing sideline interviews as as the plays were going on. It, While it, we're it, broadcasting with the, an excessive weight in scaffolding. <laughs> well, yes. That we, we probably exceeded the weight limit on that scaffolding. That's no lie. As we get set to wrap things up before we head to break, again, don't forget, it is the Cobras and the Erie Express this Saturday, 645. We take the air shortly after 7 o'clock. We will kick the game off. 
And uh, the Cobras then go on the road, but won't play again till the 12th of June when they travel to take on the Cleveland Rams. So those are the first couple games on the schedule for the Cobras again this Saturday. The coach, Bob Gessler, and myself will have the call. 6.45 pregame. 7 o'clock will be the kickoff right here on Western Reserve Radio. When we come back, we will be joined by the coach owner of the Cobras. That's right after this timeout. on Western Reserve Radio presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. For more information, go to millcreekmetroparks.org. We are now joined on the phone by the owner-coach of the Cleveland Cobras, Jesse Caldwell. Jesse, it's been a long time since we've been able to talk Cobras football, but uh, we're all getting excited for the first game this week. Oh, it is. It sure is. Uh, It's been a while. How many days has it been? Um, It's been 672 days since you last took the field. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we have had two scrimmages during that time, so it's not like we haven't hit anybody. Uh, so. You've been off for that much time. How key are those scrimmages to get you ready for you know full contact this weekend? Well, it's it's a crazy situation last year. Um, something that I don't even know if anybody's ever seen. Um, we we started back in December of 2019 practicing. Uh, we went in January, February indoors. We scrimmaged in March, and then everything came to a giant halt, as the world did. Um, except in June, I saw guys wanting to get together and throw the ball around, and we were having about uh, anywhere from 12 to 18 guys once a week get together from June all the way to October, sometimes more. Uh, we practice our social distancing, which you can, uh, with uh, running the air raid with trips right, uh, and we practiced uh, all summer. So this defensive uh, DBs have been working together for a little bit, um, and it showed uh, in our scrimmage we had uh, a few weeks ago. So tell us about uh, the type, the talent you've got returning to to the roster this year. I know those veterans are always going to be a key. Well, it's it, it, it's a surprise is the new guys. Um, you know, we picked up some guys uh, in 2020. Uh, we, we practiced together. Um, this year, we come back out in December, uh, went through January, February, and March. Uh, that defense we had back in 19 was just horrible. Uh, we can't even say anything good about that. I think we have three guys left from that defense. It's a whole new deal. Uh, guys like uh, Cam Scott, uh, Craig Williams, uh, Brandon Fleming, uh, John Jacobs, uh, these guys have all played uh, on other teams, so they know what they're getting into. Uh, I wouldn't really call them veterans. Some of them only have uh, two years tops experience, uh, but they've been playing together. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, our linebacking corp, uh, we have uh, Percy Payne and Ty- uh, King Todd. Uh, you hopefully will be calling their names a lot Saturday. When you look at uh, preparing for a team like Erie, uh, is it more about because there's no film for you know you haven't played in over a year? Is it more about you know self-execution and doing what you want to do fundamentally rather than worrying about what they're going to do against you? 
Well, you know, it's most times when you have head coaches that, that are the same, they basically run the same offense and they run the same kind of defense. There's players that come and go without the years, but they basically run the same O and D. So we know what they're going to do. Uh, our, our game plan is going to be simple. We have to contain uh, Matt uh, Ferrer and uh, Robert Littlejohn will be probably our DNs playing. Uh, they're fast. They're strong. Uh, we contain. We put pressure. We get some blitzes on them. And we make them make mistakes. Uh, they're used to pretty much running around the field and running us over and doing things. I don't think you're going to be able to do that this time. Let's go to the other side of the football. What can we expect uh, offensively? Who's going to take some snaps under center for you this week? Eric Wallace, uh, who played with us back in 19. Uh, we still have the same uh, four receiving guys. Uh, of course, uh, Jimmy loves saying the word Odell. <laughs> so we'll have Odell Spencer, uh, Jerron Robertson, and one of my favorites, and I think one of yours, is Emmett Calhoun. Yep. Uh, he comes across that middle, and he don't stop. He looks to get hit, and that's crazy for a little guy. Is it going to be but more about I, you know spreading out the opposition then and, and trying to throw the football, or are you going to rely on a little bit of a grounded pound when you need to as well? Well, we, if you remember in 19, we didn't have much of a run game at all. Um, we just have any backs that could hit the hole hard. So we recruited heavy this year. I got four backs right now that I like. Uh, Dominic uh, Frotman, uh, Juwan uh, Carlisle, a uh, kid from Youngstown uh, with the Liberty, um, with the name of uh, Brandon Smith. And then we have John Hayes. Uh, we believe that uh, these guys are going to carry us a little bit. We'll get a run game going, and then everything else should just fall right into place. It's been you know, quite the development in this time where the league was kind of shut down. Did you ever think you would see the GDFL, once you joined it, expand and be nationwide like it's going to be this year? Well, that was Charles always talked about that vision. I mean, there was always teams in Florida and Alabama and Tennessee. Now we're, you know, Denver and California and up in the, um, I believe, in either North or South Dakota. So it's... Uh, it's expanding. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a real true champion. If you win this, uh, you are a real national champion. Well, let's talk about, uh, we alluded to it when Dave and I were talking, at new home field. Tell us where that's going to be, what it's going to cost to come to a game this year. Tell us all the pertinent information for this weekend's game. Well, we're back to the Snake Pit. Uh, it's a place that we played from 2009 to 2012. And we played a playoff game in 2015. It's uh, Garfield Stadium in Lakewood. Uh, Lakewood is very excited to have us back. Um, I've talked to them, uh, the rec center there, several times, and they're helping promote, uh, get the fans out there for us. It's going to be $7 to get in, uh, 15 and older. Uh, if you're 14 or younger, it's free. And it seems like, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of excitement with the fact that we mentioned, you know, almost 700 days in between games. But uh, Mother Nature is not going to be easy on you for this first game, expected to be humid, you know, in the middle to, to upper 80s on Saturday. And I'm sure that's going to rely heavily on conditioning and uh, the depth that you hopefully have developed to be ready for this year. Well, it's nice to actually play in nice weather. If you remember last year, I mean, we played in some cold, rainy days where I don't even think mothers and, and, and wives sat in the stands for these guys. Uh, it was so cold and rainy. 
so now it's the weather's nice. Uh, it's really good football. And uh, I've got some depth. I mean, we've got a 55-man roster, so we've got some uh, depth here for guys to rotate and keep things going. And if people are wondering what the you know what the level of the rules are that's followed, for the most part, it you kind of go in lockstep with the National Football League rules when they change the extra point. The GDFL changed the extra point. Any major changes for this year we need to be focused on? Well, we're, we're, we are kicking off from the 15 on extra points. They are going to be 33 yards uh, for an extra point with that option to go for two, which I think the NFL you've seen lately uh, going for two a little bit more than normal. Uh, we've got one of our kickers back, Ben Lyons. Uh, he's been over in the Hungarian in the Europe League playing for a team in Hungary uh, for a few years, and he's come back home. So he'll be doing our kickoffs, and he's one of the best. And you know, I'll be I'll be working with uh, you know the coach Bob Gessler for this game coming up on Saturday, and the kickers are his favorite position because every coach loves their kicker, and you know having a guy that can boom the kickoff, you know, knock in an extra point or maybe make a clutch field goal could be be a huge difference for the for this team this year. Definitely, definitely, um, it gives us another option. Uh, I like the idea that we can run the ball that'll open up the pass game a little bit more. And then if we stall, we're kicking. So, and I got to ask you, last thing I wanted to talk about, because as soon as I saw it, it stood out to me. You have a very unique schedule this year. Two home games, four straight on the road, and then two home to finish out the year. It's always nice to finish at home for the final two games of the regular season, but that is a tough stretch of a month of games on the road. Well, Fourth of July is in there, so that'll break that up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, uh, with, uh, we had another team in the league in our divisions, uh, fold, uh, and when they dropped out, uh, we would have had a home game right in the middle. And of course that changed everything around, uh, when we had our schedule change. So it's, it is what it is. And then you look at the fact that you're going to have this game this weekend. You'll have, what is it, I think, you know, three weeks to prepare for the next game. And how much will that help? Because you, you've been practicing against yourself. Now you'll have live contact, a live game, and you'll have some film to look at. So I'm sure it'll give you plenty of opportunity for you and the coaching staff to make some adjustments after game one and before game two. Well, that's true. And the thing was, this is going to be a preseason game. And... The Erie Express, we go back to like 2011, 2012 playing them. It's an old like rivalry between us. Uh, there's great guys over there. They know us. We know them. And that was going to be a preseason, a pre-league game. Uh, and then when this team in, uh, folded, it messed up the schedule. It ended up becoming we play Erie twice instead of just once. So we'll see. It will give us a, a truth to see where we're at, and it will give us some time to uh, – Hit the chalkboard and correct those mistakes uh, for our next home game, which is uh, June 12th. And I know, of course, you're always looking for volunteers to help out, whether it's uh, running the scoreboard on game day or maybe doing some PA work or uh, doing the video for the team. Uh, if somebody's interested and you know, they, they just love the game of football and they, they, they want to help out, how do they get in touch with somebody to, uh, to, to volunteer their time? They can either hit me up on Facebook or hit the team up on Facebook, and we'll usually get back to them right away, and we love volunteers. Uh, you can't do everything all the time, and it takes an extra uh, cast to make these things happen at home. 
And uh, as we wrap things up with you, who is the rest of the coaching staff going to be? Because, of course, we want to uh, you know, give them some credit for working with you to get the team ready for this first game. Well, Jerry uh, Minnesota will be there Saturday. He's our head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, Demario Davis is our D.C. Uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, he has some helpers. Uh, Richard Williams, which might be a familiar name. He's played for us. Uh, injury has got him not playing, so he's helping out on the defensive end. And a new guy, uh, Rome Walcott, he's uh, also helping out on the defense. So that's the staff. Uh, Coach, we are looking forward to this uh, first game coming up this weekend. We mentioned it's been almost 700 days. We're all ready. I am just itching to get behind the microphone and, and call some football. So we're all looking forward to Saturday. And uh, we appreciate a few minutes of your time to get everything previewed and get ready to go for that first game. So we will see you um, in a few days. That sounds great. Hey, it's, you know, it's always a pleasure, a pleasure with uh, you and Dave. So we'll see you guys Saturday. Absolutely. That is uh, Cobra's owner, Coach Jesse Caldwell. Again, if you want to learn more information about the team uh, or the organization, you can find him on Facebook. You can find the Cobras on Facebook as well. And I'll leave some information for them there. They will make sure to uh, reach out to you and let you know what they are looking for to fill out their game day staff. And so we look forward to returning, as, uh, as Jesse said, back to the snake pit. I'm going to enjoy using that nickname this year at Garfield Middle School where the Cobras return to action against the Erie Express this weekend, 645 pregame. And again, it'll be just after 7 o'clock for the kickoff uh, with myself and the coach, Bob Gessler. And then we'll be back with you on the 12th of June when they are hosting the Cleveland Rams and get into the full meat of their uh, gridiron developmental football league schedule. Make sure if you want to learn more about the league, you can just type in GDFL into a search box, and that will take you where you need to go to find out all about the gridiron developmental football league. We are just about ready to take our final timeout. We will come back, wrap things up, and look ahead to next week's show right here on Western Reserve Radio. Been away for a couple of weeks, but excited to be back here on Western Reserve Radio and back with the support of our sponsor and Milk Creek Golf Course and their director of golf, Brian Tonar. If you want to learn more about the golf course or book a tee time, make sure to head over to milkcreekmetroparks.org for more information and a very convenient and easy way to book Milk your Creek round of golf at Milk Creek Metro Parks and play either the beautiful it north or south course. Holes we'll be right back. By the legendary Donald Rawson was voted a top 30 municipal facility by Golf Week in 2012. The Milk Creek Golf Shop is a certified Callaway golf custom fitting center and it is stocked with your favorite golf apparel and accessories. Milk Creek Golf Course is now booking tee times for this year's golf season. Please call us at 330-740-7112 or online at MilkCreekMetroParks.org. Western Reserve Radio is your home for Cleveland Cobras football action all summer long. Inside handoff to the tailback. with running room to the outside across the 20, 15, 10, and pushed out of bounds to the five-yard line is Eddie Edwards. It is first and goal for the Cobras. Kenderis is going to keep it. 10, 5, touchdown Cobras. Great read by Kenderis. Follow all of the hard-hitting action of GDFL football and the Cleveland Cobras right here on Western Reserve Radio and streaming live on Western Reserve Radio you're listening to Western Reserve Radio at westernreserveradio.com on the Live 365 Network and the Live 365 app. 
by all means, Season 2, Episode 17, presented by Milk Creek Golf Course, right here on the home of By All Means, Western Reserve Radio. Find us online at westernreserveradio.com. Thank you to today's guest, former Indians pitcher Jason Stanford, and the uh, owner, coach of the Cleveland Cobras, Jesse Caldwell. Cobras in action at home on Saturday, 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff against the Erie Express. Join myself and the coach, Bob Gessler, on the call for all of that action for the first Cobras game on Saturday. Next week on the show, we're joined by Mahoney Valley Scrappers General Manager Jordan Taylor. And remind you, this show is available in podcast form. Just search for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your favorite places to listen to podcasts. Or you can follow me on social media. Find me on Twitter at Mark underscore Means. And we will have another action-packed show for you that, of course, recap the Cobras game and talk to the general manager of the Mahoning Valley Scrappers about being part of the draft league. And that'll be the night before the home opener for the Scrappers next Wednesday. For executive producer Dave Ferris, owner-operator Jim Craven, my name is Mark Means. You've been listening to by all means presented by milk creek golf course here on western reserve radio to book a tee time head over to millcreekmetroparks.org until then we will talk to you next week you've been listening to by all means right here on western reserve radio